Hi. Hello. I'm Julian. I am Zava. We are Team Binge. We are here to talk about Ted Lasso Season 3, Episode 4, which is called Big Week. Uh, For those of you that have been listening to us through the years, welcome back. Uh, Our typical guest, Tom, is not with us. We have a gentleman named Zava, uh, who I would suspect his accent is going to go in and out as we uh, talk with him today. So try not to pay too much attention because... Uh, it's probably going to be good for a little while, and then bad, and then he's going to sound a lot like our old guest, Tom. So, Zava, good to have you. Uh, I'm assuming you're a long-time listener, first-time caller? It is an honor for you to meet me. It is an honor for me to meet you. Man, I hope this bit keeps going. <laughs> Tom? That's about all I got. All right, wonderful. Because <laughs> I didn't have anything else for Zava. <laughs> this episode is a deeper dive into uh, the team doing well, an expansion on Zava, and the real big thing here is leading up to uh, the game with uh, Nate's team and mm-hmm. and how that all plays out. And remind me again, they're West Ham, Ham Hampshire, New Hampshire, <laughs> West New Hampshire, is that their team name? Uh, West Ham United, also known affectionately as the Hammers. The Hammers, okay, because that's where the birth of Hammerhead Sharks was. I got it. Exactly. Thank you. Somebody gets it. I feel like this is something that, since the turn of Nate, we should all have been like excited for. Like, and if this was like a normal sports show or a normal sports movie, this would be the like rivalry game that, mm-hmm. I mean, we're not at the finale, so we, we kind of don't know how it's going to turn out. But I like what they did here in terms of it's more about how Nate's feeling, how the really how the other coaches and players are feeling and like why they're not getting the right reaction out of Ted or they don't feel like Ted is feeling the weight of this. Mm-hmm. So... While still a very funny episode, dove into some more emotional stuff that I very much appreciated, and I I liked some of the the moves that they they took. I, once again, what I'm always surprised by this show is there's a simple path and like the normal kind of path that a show would take, and these mm-hmm. guys they might take it to an extent, but there's some nuance to it and some other things that they throw in there that make it kind of fresh and and I enjoy. So I, I very much enjoyed this episode. Yeah, they zig, they zag, they zava. They they do a good job of kind of tweaking the formula. Um, <laughs> but I'm with you. Like I liked bringing Nate back in. I like not making Nate a villain throughout the whole episode, giving him a little bit of runway to try to bring him back in the fold, right? Because throughout it, he's like kind of trying to apologize. He's having a lot of like second guesses about his relationship. And you see like Rupert pulling on him in one direction and Ted trying to pull him back in the other. So I I like what they did here. And, you know, in Premier League, you always play every team twice. You play each team and your home field and in their away stadium. So this is like the first meetup of what we'll, you know, probably get another one later on. Sure. I agree with you because I think both you and I, uh, a fear that we expressed when... They turn Nate's hair gray. They put him in a black running suit, and he like turns around at the end <laughs> of season two. Was like, oh, they're just gonna make him like a complete villain. I appreciate that they give him uh, some nuance here. Um, mm-hmm. And as someone who's never been Nate's biggest fan, I appreciate it. And you, who has always been Team Nate, in fact, I've heard you say that you don't even like Ted Lasso. Uh, the the man, not the show. It's interesting what they did here. But let's dive into it. Let's start at 4 a.m. It's 4 a.m. Roy is at Jamie Tart's door. Jamie Tart has a headboard that I could only describe as a rich ladies dress outfit from the 90s. I believe it's leopard print. Um, maybe the wife of a televangelist. would be dressed in this type of... Oh, I'm sorry. I recently was told that uh, leopard print is back in. So uh, forgive me. That doesn't... Oh, and I've just been handed a sports coat that is uh, made of snow leopard. So I'm pretty sure that's an endangered species. So thank you, uh, wardrobe person that's handing me wardrobe during a podcast. 
a audio media. But it is what it is. Uh, let's spend the next 10 minutes talking about this headboard. <laughs> I don't think I noticed this headboard. I mean, oh, come on. You. <laughs> you, how do you not notice this headboard? No. Oh, man. All right. It's 4 a.m. Uh, Roy is super prepared. Roy's a Boy Scout in this moment. <laughs> talk to me about Talk to me about this, Tom. He's so good. He just keeps telling Jamie it's 4 a.m. And Jamie's response is, yeah, it's 4 a.m. How are we going to see? It's dark out. <laughs> and he pops the headlamp on, which is so good. So good. So good. So, so very good. Which, this is the second episode in the row that starts with a little bit of butt, you know? Or <laughs> a lot of bit of butt. I don't know. Sorry, kids. Well, the... it's interesting because if you put these butts together, we got Colin's top butt and we're getting Jamie's bottom butt. So I would argue if you put both these butts together, you got full blown butt, my friend. Full blown butt, yeah. The yeah, it's like one of those matching games as a kid where you're trying <laughs> to like move the faces uh, and like the middle part of the animal's face, the lower part, and match them up. It's just one with butts. Don't take that idea. I'm still workshopping it, people in our audience. I think there is certainly a game there that's just pictures of butts that you have to match up. <laughs> I wonder if you could do other body parts. Interesting. No, nope, butts. just butts. Yep, Only just butts. butts. <laughs> Thank you. We both came to that conclusion at the exact same time. That's why we work so well together. I can only say that Jamie is Winnie the Poohing it, right? He's got shirt on, no pants. That's what you call it. He'll discuss yes. the reasons why later. We'll let him explain himself. We have a cut to Nate and his soccer board. Uh, Nate's got a super fancy one, right? Like Ted's just got like magnets on a... Uh, whiteboard kind of thing he's got like a electric football style board i can only describe this as there was a certain point in my life uh as uh an adult where i started painting board game figurines um i feel like nate having no other reason to live uh bought these soccer figurines uh, painted them i'm sorry i'm sorry that was too much (laughs) Uh, he had no hope and nothing to do with his life, so he bought these figurines, a magnifying glass, and a fine paintbrush, and painted them, and now he has a table that he plays Warhammer on or moves fancy soccer people around. This is an interesting moment. He flicks Ted Lasso's figure, which he made specifically. Um, with the mustache and all. With the mustache and all. He flicks his uh, figure off, and then with some, like regret picks it up puts it back in his place like he's torn right that's what we're mm-hmm. getting from this well he starts by like making and again he's in his apartment all by himself and he makes like a snide remark it's like yeah that's right like i hit you off the board but then very quickly like turns like again he has that rupert mentality right now at the top of his mind but he still is a nice guy and it's it's there it's underneath the surface and yeah he's he's definitely has regrets This is kind of petty to, like, make an effigy of someone and flick them off a table. What I encourage people to do, rather than do that, it's a lot of time buying a figurine of someone and painting it. (laughs) If you ever see that person at a distance, the best thing to do is take your thumb and index finger and pretend to crush their head. So, like, you got to be at a distance where they don't see you doing it or know you're doing it. But the power you get from this, I don't know if you've ever done this, Tom. I I recommend this to all my patients. But if you can pretend like you're crushing a person's head, sometimes you have to say, I'm crushing your head, I'm crushing your head from a distance. That is another way to get at someone that you don't like, but not necessarily let them know, other than, once again, flicking their figurine off of a Hmm. Warhammer table. So This is good to know. So instead of a breathing technique, I should just squash people's heads. Yes, 100%. And you can do it while driving as well, as long as you're not the driver and you have your seatbelt on. Uh, This episode has been brought by ADOT. Be safe out there, folks. Arizona Department of Transportation. No one one needed to know. We could be in Alaska. Or Alabama, or ooh, Arkansas, or that's those it. are different. That's all those I've are got. those are ATD, Alaska Transportation Department. All right. Well, this is what you're welcome, folks. This is what this podcast has become. We cut from Nate's weird board game, tabletop gaming. Excuse me. Don't at, mm-hmm. don't get mad at me, Seth. Um, to uh, Ted's room, where Ted very nicely. Um, sleeping in all of his clothes, has a picture of Nate and him still on his dresser, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, note from note from Nate, and so you see the uh, Tom juxtaposition of the two <laughs> situation here, mm-hmm. and then uh, you see I guess Sassy has just arrived at his uh, apartment, and she's <laughs> I, I guess she's taken off her shoes, but then she's putting on her shoes. I didn't really understand this. Why she just arrived that morning? She's like she doesn't want to wake him up, but she walked into his flat. Um, I didn't, I didn't understand this. Yeah, this might be a surprise. I believe they had a one night stand, Julian, or would this be a two night stand? Cause this is their second foray. I don't know how it works. I don't, I don't understand. The good book says, <laughs> anyways, I don't, I, this, anyway, Sassy arrives having not slept over and, um, Ted, offers to take her he's like hey we're good together right would you like to go on an actual date uh and sassy being a very polite person says like bleep no or some (laughs) sort of several expletives no right well she even makes mention like i can't handle all your dreadful puns and and i don't know like even in this scene ted is throwing all these puns on and she's kind (laughs) of like rolling her eyes um it made me think, like, I don't know, like, could this be too much? Like, I know how upset you were that Michelle left him for being too nice of a guy, but I don't know, man. The The puns are, are pretty heavily weighted, and Sassy's clearly not having it. Oh, I don't think these two are going to be good together. Like, I don't think yeah. this is a good match. Um, but to to deny a man marriage over puns, I think, is <laughs> just insane. Um, there's nothing in the good book about dreadful puns. Uh, She's like, listen, you're a mess. I'm a mess. We're both a mess. And this is demonstrated by Uber scores, which is such a lovely concept. She's like, I'm a 3.9. And the way Jason Sudeikis acts this out as like realizing she's a 3.9 on Uber. And she's like, oh no, you're a five. This was all so good. His response is great, too. It's like, yeah, sometimes I'll offer to drive if they look tired. (laughs) I didn't catch that line. I just caught him saying, yeah, sometimes I say please and thank you. That was, uh, I I caught that one. I didn't catch the sometimes I offer to drive. That's great. (laughs) So good. I even love, there's a little bit, too, in the next scene where it's kind of like montaging and showing everybody what they're doing kind of in the town square, I guess, wherever they are. Like Sassy goes into the Uber and is like super kind and is like complimenting the driver on the seats and trying to get that, you know, five star rating back up. Uh, it's going to take a while. It's going to take <laughs> a while. But hey, baby steps, Sassy. Baby steps, Sassy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a discussion of the Friends with Benefits movies that came out like at the same time. Uh, one is like No Strings Attached, and the other is probably Friends with Benefits, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just know one is Mila Kunis and Justin Timberlake. And that is the much better movie between those two. Having seen them both, my go to my letterbox account, uh, <laughs> I've written several pages on um, the Justin Timberlake and Mila Kunis movie. Have you seen this movie? Having only seen that movie, I will also say that is the better of the two movies. Yes, yeah, the other one's not worth it. The other one has no flash mobs in it. Uh, the <laughs> oh, Mila Kunis the and Justin one has several flash mobs and... Uh, a 90s hit that I'm blanking on. Um, I don't know. It's probably sung by Eve Six. Who knows? Anyways. Do we get uh, Justin's butt in that one? I know I know how for you are, but I can't remember if it's top butt or bottom butt. We'll have to check our charts. I know I put it in my game. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's top butt. I don't know. Okay. Let, me, let me root through my puzzles and find the game. Okay. Anyways, Nate, I don't know if you caught this. I feel like Nate drives the neighborhood. He like passes, he <laughs> okay, in his fancy yeah. Aston Martin Bond mm-hmm. villain car or Bond agent car. Depends on whether or not you see Bond as a villain or a hero. I don't know. <laughs> Touche. This just in. Uh, shoots a lot of people, not very kind to women, and or I guess he's actually very kind to women. Who knows? I've dug myself a hole. Let's move on. <laughs> Jamie throws up as only one does on a TV show where it looks like they strapped a garden hose to the other side of his face (laughs) and they just projectile it. It's wonderful. Roy sitting on the bench as comfortable as can be while Jamie's Uh doing burpees. Um, This is when he talks about, hey, why do you sleep like Winnie the Pooh? (laughs) Yeah, Jamie's response is like, I'm cold upstairs. I'm hot downstairs. 
And Roy's I like, yeah, all right, that's true. Makes sense. See, these two are bonding. These two are bonding. You get the sense that Roy maybe wears no shirt but sweatpants, and so combined, they are a full outfit when they sleep. Oh, he doesn't. Yeah, he's he's wearing a shirt every night and every day of his life. Wait, who? Have you, have you seen that chest hair, Roy? Oh, yeah, yeah, he yeah. He doesn't yeah, need yeah. no top. Okay, I get I get I was thinking of cotton. Um, <laughs> you're thinking of man hair, yes. <laughs> man cotton. Exactly. Uh, I think I think they used his upper body in that scene in The Last of Us. Bill and Frank. his partner, Frank. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Press triangle to caress chest hair. <laughs> Whew. Anyways, we're back at KJPR, Attorneys at Law. We have Rebecca, Keeley, and Shandy. We have a discussion about banter. She, I guess this is Shandy's idea that she's going to get all the single footballers on the team uh, to do like a promo video, I'm assuming, mm-hmm. on the TikTok, um, which is an app about clocks, I believe. <laughs> and Rebecca does some great fishing here. She's like, oh, is Sam going to be in one of these videos as a mm-hmm. single footballer? You mentioned single footballer is Sam and... And they're like, oh, no, he, he's, he's not going to be. And so you're like, ooh, is he with the mm. chef? Is he still harboring some feelings for Rebecca? I don't. And what we find out, that Mr. Jack, the head of VC, is coming. And they refer to him as Mr. Jack throughout the episode. <laughs> I don't know if they do. I think it's just Jack, right? It would make the reveal more, I don't know, profound or impactful. Profound's a little <laughs> Impactful if they called him. Captain Jack or Mr. Jack the whole time. Actually, Captain Jack. Anyways, I digress. Uh, We're in the coach's office. We have Beer, Roy, and Higgins. They are trying to out-genius the Wonderkins, and they're getting themselves all twisted up in the strategy of soccer. Oh, this is so great. Yeah, they're they're playing 3D chess. They're, like, flipping the board, and they ultimately end up on the exact same thing that uh, they originally planned with this false nine attack. And then Higgins, of course, comes in. He's like, oh, this is great. Yeah, we'll Zava do it. And then Roy just punches the board. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's great. Ted arrives. He's like, listen, keep it simple, smarty pants, which is mm. what made Dwight feel bad all those times Michael used the same advice. I like the, the changing of the kiss method as opposed to keep it simple, stupid. I like that Lasso changed the stupid to smarty pants. Although Ted's- at that point, it'd be the kisp method. method. Yeah. Nice, Kisp. Yeah, what a band, you know? Kisp is when Gene Simmons' tongue gets burned. Anyways, the <laughs> Ted's too positive to call anyone stupid. That's what I. That's where I really Agreed. wanted to land in all of that uh, mm-hmm. glam rock banter. <laughs> as any coach, as any head coach does, he turns to his staff and he says, "Am I a mess?" Mm. And we get. Entrance to, for the first time this season, the Diamond Dogs. What was that? That's all I got. I oh, I'm sorry. I thought me. there was a dog in the neighborhood howling. Uh, <laughs> is the dog done? Did I make Did I make the Diamond Dogs too real for you? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I started to sweat. I was like, oh no, I'm going to start sneezing. Uh, I'm not allergic to dogs, but I fear them, and it causes me to sneeze. So we get the official uh, first meeting of the Diamond Dogs. Roy leaves, which doesn't make any sense because Roy's a Diamond Dog. He should stay. But mm. instead, he's got to pretend like he's too cool for school, even though he listens through the door. I don't like it. Roy should commit and be a Diamond Dog. Mm-hmm. He should be the second base coach of the Diamond Dogs. I don't think they're second base coaches. There should be just a guy standing next to second base (laughs) trying to avoid being hit by a baseball. For those of you that are football fans, uh, baseball is an American pastime that... uh, Slowly dying. Slowly dying, yes. Uh, They made the bases bigger, though, so that'll fix it. Did you hear that? They changed the rules to baseball and they made the bases bigger. I know they're making it faster, which is a fantastic idea, but I didn't hear about the bases. Tom, they made the bases bigger. Good for Anyways, them. Good for them. About time. Them. They're eight feet wide. <laughs> you can jump from base to base. <laughs> They're actually trampolines. They figured more runs, more audience. <laughs> the bases are eight feet wide and trampolines. Brilliant. All right. They are 
confused because they don't understand why Ted is not more upset about Nate betraying him. Mm-hmm. And this leads to carbon monoxide metaphor about if you hold it in, you'll be poisoned and die. But if you express what's bothering you, then you don't die. I can't remember what the reason was for bringing this up. A beer was the one that does. But I, I like the, the idea of it. And I think we see it at the end of the episode where Ted is not going to hold in this like feeling that he has of, of how upset he is that Michelle is with uh, Dr. Jake, um, he's he's not letting it bot like bottle in. He's he's expressing that to her. So, yeah, Jake from State Farm. He's not a doctor. No, the parallel <laughs> here is Ted needs to express like how mad he is at Nate or the disappointment he's feeling, right. and rather than hold it in. That's the parallel. But yes, mm-hmm. the way where it comes out and where Ted uses this advice is when he's talking to Michelle, one of the worst characters <laughs> in TV history. <laughs> Anyways, Roy comes back in. They call Roy back in because he, oh, he answers from the other room, right? He's like, mm-hmm. false or wrong. He does this. <laughs> yeah. And then they bark him back in, which, Tom, would you like a moment to bark some more? Or is the neighborhood dog around to bark some more? <laughs> oh, yeah, get back in here. <laughs> okay, yeah, that one was terrible. Your first one was much better. Let's try it from the top. Let's start the podcast again and uh, take a throat lozenge. We're in the locker room. The pundits are talking about the upcoming game. And I do appreciate... They they throw like a mix of pundits in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Sometimes it's that old coach with the testicles, and then sometimes it's different people. <laughs> I just... I think that's allowed. We're allowed to say that, even though we're good, clean, fun, right? Of Anyways, course, that's the scientific it's a term. medical term. Well, I mean, I'm not going to get into science and how real that is, but <laughs> medicine's fine. Um, Zava and Zoro have a conversation here because Zoro like corrects Zava on something, or or mm-hmm. oh, he corrects him on his name pronunciation. Yeah, exactly. And Zava, like the whole team, stares at Zoro, like, "How dare you speak to Zava that way?" <laughs> and Zava's like, "Why do you pronounce it that way?" Parents have been calling me that, and that was my name. Do you want to do? Tom's got a great Zava accent. Tom, uh, I'm going to turn the microphone to you, my friend. I let all my children name themselves at seven. That's why my eldest is named Smingus Dingus. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so good. It's so good. You're getting better and better. Each week, you're getting better and better. We learn his other children's name later in the episode. I won't reveal yeah. them now. Uh, if you blink, you'll miss it. They're so good. Mm-hmm. And this is where the believe sign takes its moment to be ripped and fall apart, as if the hand of the good Lord came down and cut it with his finger. This was... Oh, not the good Lord. This was the good Isaac, because Isaac goes up to slap it, and he's like, yeah, believe. And that's where it kind of like starts pulling in, or falling in half, which I would argue whoever put this thing back up there after it was ripped, assuming this would be Ted, he did a terrible job retaping this thing. He didn't even really tape the middle of it. But I love Isaac's reaction here where he like looks at his hand, thinks his like hand is powerful, and then just smacks Jamie. And he's like, oh, I thought I'm sorry, man. I thought I had the ability to chop things in half. And Jamie's like, well, what if it did work? Yeah. Like, sorry, bruv. <laughs> it was great. It was, it was great. I think this was a rush job. I think Ted discovers the side and then he like takes it, tapes it back up before the team enters the locker room. So, oh, but he could have fixed it, right? He had well, plenty of time. Listen, think about all the things in your house that were like simple things that broke and you did like <laughs> a simple fix and you were like, when I have more time, I'll come back and retape that sewer drain. <laughs> and right now, it has not been fixed properly. It's just being held together by bubble gum and <laughs> athletic tape. Think about it, Tom. We all do okay. it. That's fair. That's fair. There is water dripping above your head in the office as we speak because <laughs> you never fixed that shower leak, my friend. It fixed itself. Yeah, it stops dripping eventually once my <laughs> wife stops showering. <laughs> oh, man. But in that instance, I did nothing. I didn't even attempt to try to fix it, so ha, joke's on you, pal. Yeah, 
that's true. That's true. Maybe there is a higher power that fixes shower leaks. Who knows? Listen, if you are going to try to buy my house in the near future, don't listen to this podcast. Good point. Good point. <laughs> we're we're at the restaurant, and this is the restaurant that was prominent in other episodes where Nate was trying to get a table to impress mm-hmm. his, I guess, his father, but his family. Yeah, the window seats, right? Yep. And we have the same hostess, Jade. Whoever plays this character, this actress that plays Jay, just does a phenomenal job. <laughs> the dead eye, like deadpan, I don't know. Give her an Emmy. I don't know. Give her the British, a Bemmy, the British equivalent of an Emmy. I don't know what it is. Uh, but I just appreciate everything she's doing here. Just She's got these very like expressive but dead eyes that she's just mm-hmm. staring at Nate like, like, what do you need? I don't remember you. Like, what is your deal? It's so good. Oh, I love her. She's great, for sure. We find out that Nate bought all of his staff food. I was a little bit confused. I guess this is a West Ham restaurant. Is that fair? Because Derek, the manager, seems to be a fan, so it's not a Richmond restaurant, right? I don't... Yeah, I don't know where... I think we looked this up maybe in the first season of where Richmond is supposed to be, but West Ham is in some sort of suburb of London, so maybe yeah, it's Richmond's close to... Yeah, Richmond's a suburb of London. They're all within They're all within the underground of each other, as they say. Okay. The undies. Fair enough. They're all in the undies <laughs> of each other, I believe, is how the Londoners say. Um, so yeah, but, I guess, yeah, the idea he's he's a fan or, or... I mean, if he's getting dinner or lunch or whatever for his whole team, that's probably going to be a restaurant that's close. Uh, but right. I do appreciate that like Nate is constantly wearing West Ham gear in like every scene he's in. Tom, as someone who gets swag from where he works, he, who's constantly <laughs> wearing it, I think it's tough for you to judge That's a, a man point. who's getting these sweet running suits with <laughs> logos on them. Um, but uh, you're also winning trips to wonderful tropical places because you're so good at your job. So you mm-hmm. deserve it, buddy. Well, thank you, man. They do give me a lot of random shirts. I had to. Uh, I digress, though. But my shirts don't have my initials on it. He's got the NS on his. Hmm. Well, they have a T in that. Anyways, um, <laughs> the. Where do you think the story? Is there more to what's going to happen with this hostess? Is Jade going to play a bigger part in all of this? The way they featured her and like showed her on camera and they kind of lingered on her a little bit and showed her reactions, which like you mentioned, were very kind of deadpan-ish, but she wasn't like disgusted by him. I I don't know if she's interested. I I would assume we might get more of Jade, I guess is what I'm getting at. I can only hope. I think she's wonderful. Mm-hmm. I hope that with Nate's new salary, he buys the restaurant, fires Derek, <laughs> and becomes Mr. Manager of two places. <laughs> Both restaurant, banana stand, and West Ham. Mm. The Hamistan. Anyways. Triple threat guy. Triple threat guy. <laughs> Locker room, they're doing the player banter interviews. Mm-hmm. Take it away, Tom. This was... <laughs> I, I like, I mean, it was kind of weird, but I like the Danny interview where like Danny's like talking about being nervous and Shandy's like, oh, just think of an old friend. And then Danny taking it literally. He's like, my oldest friend is Javier. He's 108 years old. Just turns, or he's turning 108 next week. Yes, this was great. Danny, <laughs> Danny's wonderful. I feel like mm-hmm. we've gotten less of him than I want in this season, but when he comes on, he's kicking a thousand. He's Mm -hmm. like, the most beautiful parts of a woman are her flaws, which, I mean, I don't know. Danny and that hair and that line, he's killing it. He is absolutely killing it. Zorro is now Van Damme. Van Damme? Van Dami, I think is how it's spelled. But he has a great moment here on camera. We see the beginning of Jamie's interview, and Jamie's like, I guess, small talking with like the makeup person or something. Mm -hmm. We see Keely with that Jamie look of desire in her eyes or she's falling well, she's like, for him. What, what's she's happening She's like justifying, here? like not justifying, but she's kind of saying all these things about like who Jamie used to be and saying he's a player. He only thinks with his member or whatever. His but little like Jamie. he's, yeah, his little Jamie, thank you. Uh, the witty to his poo. Ha! <laughs> 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 oh no. I think I just woke the kids. Uh, <laughs> that was a spike uh, but she's talking old jamie and and clearly as she's saying all this she's realizing that he is a changed man and i think all of this is fair and i i can understand keely maybe 
falling, not, I wouldn't say in love, but just seeing him as a maybe romantic partner again. But I, I just don't know if I need this because I don't think the show's, and I don't know, maybe, maybe they will, but I don't think the show's going to go this way based on what they said earlier about kind of Roy turning and like enjoying the time while you have it when he talked about like why he left Chelsea and all that stuff. My assumption is that they're going to get back together. So I don't know if I need her pushing a different relationship. I, I, I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think the show is well aware of its audience and the audience wants Keely and Roy together. And so mm-hmm. they are doing the, I mean, you and I talk about it all the time, the classic Sam and Diane of it mm-hmm. all. You know, the will they, won't they, something about a bar and everyone knowing your name. And <laughs> I, I think he's a private eye that lives in Hawaii. I don't really know. Um <laughs> And then he's, I think someone's dad on Scrubs. It doesn't matter. I think they know their audience well enough that they can play this. Is Keely going to fall back for Jamie? Mm -hmm. Which I don't think is a relationship anyone's rooting for. Although with Jamie, like Jamie has matured in the ways that I think Keely had wished he had matured previously. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, The thing that's interesting here is this is all coming out of Shandy being like, you know, hey, what's Jamie's deal? And mm-hmm. that's where all of this comes out of. Once again, my tattoo says less <laughs> shandy, but more summer shandy from Lionel Coogan's of Wisconsin. <laughs> We're brought to you by Lionel. I'm not saying that name right, by the way. Lionel Coogies. It's some, I, I've never been able to pronounce it, but I have been able to drink it. So, but not right now because they haven't sponsored us yet, but they will. Anyways, we're in the coach's office, and Beard and Roy are showing Ted the video of Nate ripping the poster. They're like, we've got something for you, coach. Mm-hmm. I feel like there should have been like Benny Hill music playing in the background where they were watching Nate, because he like slips off the chair. Like It was very English slapstick comedy. Yes, they made this funnier. <laughs> like You feel like they're going for drama, and then... As all of us have done, he tries to stand on a wheelie office chair, and it goes uh, terribly. Um, yeah, I agree with you. The Benny Hill music would have been would have been great. I think that song has a name. It's like Sax something Suit Sax. I don't know. Um, no, it's not. It doesn't have a name. It's Benny Benny Hill music. Okay, Benny Hill music. The coaches all watch, <laughs> and Trent joins. <laughs> and I like because like I think Roy makes mention that Trent was the one that found this because when he saw the thing get ripped he kind of had that idea and his like line about like you can't take journalism out of the boy and Roy's response is like okay you totally ruined it now you were cool but you said that line and you ruined it I love right. it right they want to use this to motivate the team and I really once again the whole reason I glommed onto the show from the beginning is that Ted is making choices based on like positive and kindness and in this moment he's like listen guys go home like we're not going to show this to him like Mm -hmm. let me have it or you know just no we're not gonna we're not gonna go the route of like we're gonna turn this into we hate nate because Mm -hmm. he tore a poster uh and then abandon us which i liked the show played this well enough that you're kind of on you don't know which way ted's gonna go but you love that he goes this way if i'm Mm -hmm. being honest maybe most people i don't know maybe other people didn't but i really appreciated that this is what they they did with it yeah and and even the way it plays out later where beard and roy are ultimately kind of apologizing for showing the team because it didn't go very well you know again ted could have taken it a very different direction but ted's like hey listen you tried something and didn't work there's no reason to to harp on it and then of course that just makes them even more mad then we have our classic Rupert and Nate heart-to-heart. These two just getting close. They're like father and son, you know? <laughs> uh, just they love each other. Nate expresses here that he feels like he owes Ted an apology, which I know Nate's probably at a lonely place. Rupert's probably the last guy I would share these thoughts and feelings <laughs> with, but, mm-hmm. you know, Nate's just trying to reach out to, like, a mentor or a boss, and Rupert's like, listen, you did what's best for you. Mm-hmm. And I think there's there's truth in that line of, you know, if you weren't moving anywhere or like strike while the iron's hot, especially in professional sports, like if you were the wounder kid or whatever, and you're, you know, give this opportunity to be able to coach a Premier League team, like you take it. And, you know, you can make an argument that Rupert's doing this just to mess with Rebecca, but there's clearly 
you know, he's doing well with West Ham so far. Like they're towards the top of the table and they're winning. So he is a talented coach in, in, in his own right. Um, so I, I think there's truth to this and, and him moving on. And, and you even see it with Ted. Like Ted is not mad that he moved on. He was excited for him. But the biggest issue is, is how he left. And that's what's kind of eating at Nate. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's all right if you have an opportunity, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that moves you into a position you like have dreamed of. But it's also how you leave where you were. Ted is the reason he had the opportunity. And so exactly. to leave them in the lurch like he did and leave how he did and to like resent Ted for it, I think is uh, where the issues come up for gray-haired Nate. But <laughs> Rupert's advice is, listen, you look him in the eye, you shake his hand, and then you beat him <laughs> with a tire iron. And he's like, no, no, sorry. I'm in, that's the Guy Ritchie movie I'm going to be in later this year. You look him in the eye, you shake his hand, and you beat him in football. Nate, weird moment here. Nate calls him Rupert, and then Rupert corrects him, and he's like, Mr. Mannion. And Tom, I thought he said Mr. Manager, and I lost my mind. <laughs> I thought Rupert was like Mr. Manager, like as a sign of respect to Nate. And I immediately, knee-jerk, was like, we just say manager. And I lost my mind. And then I rewound it and read the subtitles and realized that Rupert's being a jerk. And Mm. even though he told Nate he could call him Rupert, in this moment, he's like, Mr. Mannion. Call me Mr. Mannion. And Nate was like, we just say Mannion. It's like he forgot that he told him that you can call him Rupert because even later in the episode, like once they won the game and they're back and celebrating at that bar. He has no problem with calling him Rupert or even, I don't know if he says it again, like call me Rupert kind of a deal. So it's just, Oh, I I think, I think Rupert knows what he's doing. I think this is clearly like mind games of like, Hey, Mm -hmm. you can earn it once you win. Like I want to beat my ex-wife in football. I think it is deliberate and he's just a jerk. He's Rupert, even though he's Mm -hmm. super charming. So charming. He does play a good villain. Oh, great villain. Have you seen him in Buffy? He was the best villain in Buffy. <laughs> um, never watched Buffy. I'm assuming he's a villain. Coach's <laughs> office. Take it away, Tom. Yeah, I think it's go back to Coach's office and Ted's kind of scrolling through his phone. And they do a cool transition here, I think, because Nate's scrolling through his phone and they're both like reading the same headline about Lasso versus Wonder Kid. Um, and it's funny, too, because uh, I think Ted's reading a message or text message from Michelle and he uh, scrolls back and goes through like all of his text message. So I was just super interested and like ended up pausing through all the scrolling. And it has like just about every like, player on the team has some sort of like oddball comment or note. But I think the funniest ones were because, you know, like in the text on like an iPhone, you could just see the most recent response uh, before you actually click into it. So you see Roy's. It's uh, all it is is just said you loved no. <laughs> so Roy's response is <laughs> no. And he just loved it. Right. And then Jamie's last it. response. Jamie's last response was exotic. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, but he eventually scrolls down to Dr. Jacob. That's what he wanted to see. And all it was was just the appointment reminders that all are labeled like 2019. So it's him just going back and seeing all these things to remind us as an audience that, yeah, Dr. Jacob was their therapist. Their therapist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's not a good guy. Nope. Selling insurance, giving people therapy moonlighting stealing people's wives Oof. and he's hideous anyways <laughs> rebecca enters she's like hey don't know if you know this but i really want to win this one <laughs> and before she leaves she says is everything all right and jason sudeikis lets it play all over his face does he say i'm all good or does he say no yeah, this I, I loved the scene because Rebecca again like checking in. Are you all right? And Ted's like ha- takes a beat, and says, "Yeah, I'm good." And then Rebecca's response is Oklahoma, which is a callback to the first season where Ted told uh, her about the that word being used between Ted and Michelle when they're like, "Hey, you know, cut the BS. Like, tell me exactly what you're thinking." So Rebecca saying that line, and then Ted kind of coming back, and then they get into the conversation about like, "Hey, am I a mess?" And Ted makes a comment like. You know, I'm a work in prog mess, which I thought was kind of funny, but really cool callback. Tom, I'm glad you're a professional. I completely missed the Oklahoma callback. I oh, remember you did? That. Yeah. Cause yeah, that, that was good. That's where he explains that, hey, we had a code word anytime we just wanted like 
direct honesty, we would say, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I did not catch that. Thank you for explaining that to me. Yeah, I like the end, too, where he kind of tells her, like, hey, listen, you've already won. Like, you got this guy out of your life. And, again, it's just, I love that relationship between the two of them. Right. It's like this sport, in the scheme of life, does not matter. Like, you mm-hmm. you are winning. And one would argue that Hannah Waddingham right now is absolutely winning. Um, I believe she's going to be our president soon because she was just at the White House. <laughs> so, good for I her. I can only wish. The team arrives for the game. Keeley is nervous about meeting the venture capitalist president, Mr. Captain Jack. Uh, (laughs) And then we have a discussion with uh, Rupert, Rebecca, and Bex, which is always awkward, although Bex is pretty pleasant. Yeah. Um, She even makes some, like, snide comments about, like, like their baby drooling and falling over the place and then make something a comment about like, yeah, just like father, like son kind of a deal or whatever, which I thought was kind of funny. Like Bex is calling Rupert old here. Yeah. I would say that Bex maybe needs to dial it back a little bit because he <laughs> never laughs. And like you can uh, make fun of your spouse to a point uh, and then they're just upset. Certainly making fun of them in front of their ex-wife, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I thought it was funny, Bex. I'm on your side. But um, Rupert is, he, he does seem to be annoyed both with uh, his child as well as his new spouse. <laughs> we are in the bathroom, and this is where, Tom, you and I do our best work, uh, <laughs> talking about things that we know nothing about. But I will say this in this way. Keely finds herself in the bathroom needing a feminine product. She talks to her stall neighbor who has very nice bejeweled shoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that stall neighbor helps her out, gives her the old, hey, pay it forward, no worries. And we are out of the ladies' room onto <laughs> the rest of the episode. It made me think of that Seinfeld episode where, like, Elaine was like, she's like, can you spare a square? When she had no more toilet paper. Do you remember that episode? I don't. I don't oh. remember it, but it doesn't surprise me that that's one I don't remember. <laughs> but anyways, yes, I, I won't. I won't linger because I know this makes you uh, a little uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm not uncomfortable at all. I'm in my element. Let's dive deeper into this. All right, the history of feminine products, as told to you by two thirty-year-old men. Here we go. All right. Ted and Nate are in the elevator. <laughs> this is a great moment. I didn't see this coming. Did you see this coming? No, not at all. I, I love the idea of Nate being in the back of the elevator, seeing Ted walk in, and then him just turning into the corner, hoping he can hide. And then every reporter leaves, and it's just him still in the corner, just cowering away. It's great. Right. You think the joke is he's stuck on an elevator with all West Ham supporters and they're Mm -hmm. all leaving and so he's going to be alone and then great reveal (laughs) old nate i'm assuming urinating in the corner like (laughs) white on the elevator (laughs) and you see great i mean great show writing i mean i liked what they did here you feel like nate is on the verge of apology but as elevators doors do they open (laughs) and there stands the bad guy from buffy mr rupert Dracula Rupert, I'm assuming, was his character (laughs) in Buffy. I don't have a follow-up to that. Nor do I. I didn't watch Buffy. This is... I didn't either. This is where we... I just know he's a good guy. Um, And he's in it. Anyways. This is where we meet Jack Danvers, who is the VC president and feminine product lender. (laughs) Did you recognize this actress? I think her name is Jodi Belfour. Um, but she's from For All Mankind, and she's absolutely fantastic in that show. So it was cool to see her uh, make an appearance here. I have not seen that show. I did not know this actress. I did like how she played this. This was a great moment. I don't want to reveal too much of myself, but uh, Higgins finds himself in a situation that uh, is uncomfortable for him, but it's his own fault. Uh, he tells the riddle about the doctor not being able to operate on the sun, but the <laughs> husband's dead, and he's like, why? And all of the responses, this is such an outdated riddle that all of the responses are so great. 
Did you hear them all? Yes, I did. I took note of them all, and they were all good. But take it away. It was great. I don't know who said what, but like one person said woman. So clearly the, the answer, the response is to the mother. Uh, at least that's why I remembered it when I was a kid. But then somebody else was like, uh, gay. Somebody else was like, sperm donor. Somebody, I think it was Shandy. Was Shandy. Like, oh, they're all in a simulation? Simulation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shandy's been watching 1899 with us. And Higgins is like, will you excuse me, please? And then he departs. Oh, so good. So good, good, good. Uh, Jack Danvers, no, Rebecca makes a joke here to Jack Danvers and Barb, like, oh, Barb, who's typically very stoic, like, mm-hmm. overlaughs. And I took this as less about her and her, like, appreciation of Rebecca and more about her, like, sucking up to Jack Danvers. I, is that how I you took that- it? Or you no i thought the same i thought the same thing the first time i watched it but if you go back in the earlier scenes she did the same thing with rebecca and it was just rebecca keely and her in the office where she was kind of saying you know how smart you were to get us these tickets or something else like she's already kind of upplayed this relationship with rebecca and i think even shandy makes like an off offhand comment in this scene that she's doing this for rebecca less so for for jack so yeah i don't i don't know what her end game is here got it we have a quick cut to the pub crew always great to see him and then the announcers are always swell and then the crowd sings a song about bubbles tom talk to me talk to me why why a group of grown-ups is singing about bubbles and i think we talked about this briefly maybe in one of the other pods but yeah their their chant or their main song for west ham is i'm forever blowing bubbles uh, and I, I did look this up. So it apparently started back in like the 1920s where there was a star schoolboy player um, in East London who never actually played for West Ham, his first team, uh, but was kind of lauded because he looked like a character on like a soap advert. So they just kind of took that. So I don't know. I kind of, when I read that, it made me think of like a reverse Rudy type situation where it's just a lovable player that maybe had some either heart or <laughs> looked like some sort of advert. So they took the song on, and as fans do, they just took it, made it their own, and now it's their deal. Interesting. Okay. Okay. I'm trying to dive into what a reverse Rudy situation is, and a reverse <laughs> Rudy situation is like the biggest, best football player in the world uh, playing in every game but one play uh, his senior year. That's the reverse of a Rudy situation, Tom. So I don't know if that's a direct correlation. <laughs> But I well the, the juxtaposition I... of it. Ah, oh, there it is. <laughs> we got there. Drink for those of you playing bingo. All right. Nate comes out of the tunnel. Him and Ted shake hands, and who do we see? But we don't get. We haven't gotten much of him. It's yeah, party guy more. disco. What's disco, going disco, on? Disco dance, dance, disco, disco dance, dance. We need more of them. Give me more, Coach Disco. Ah, <laughs> oh, we haven't had enough. Anyways. <laughs> Do managers in a football game stay on the same side of the field? I feel like they should be on opposite sides of the field so no one can punch the other one in their Armani (laughs) suit. No, they're they're always sat on the same side, uh, depending on the stadium. They're, you know, one might be on one side or the other, but they're always going to be on the same. But I would argue they're probably standing a little bit too close. Usually there's kind of like coach boxes where you're supposed to kind of stay in. But they always like will give each other the handshakes at the end of the game. It's kind of like the classic coach thing. So that's why it's uh, a bit brutal when you get the the ending and, and Nate's response. I mean, are they are are managers in a Premier League soccer? Are they within earshot of each other? If one guy's 100%. like, "Hey, kick the ball harder," the other coach mm-hmm. hears him and he's like, "Hey, kick the ball softer," or whatever. <laughs> I mean, once again, I don't know the strategy of football, but if they can hear each other, they can make adjustments based on what they're hearing. Yeah, they absolutely can. I think what sometimes they'll do is like they'll sub a guy in and a guy will come in with like a piece of paper that tells them some sort of strategy. I don't know what kind of strategy you can possibly say. They're passing notes on these football teams. (laughs) Yeah, you can. Um, But we get it in the scene where like after what uh, West Ham scores a goal, Nate like decides to like keep the pressure on and they couldn't tell exactly what Nate was saying, but uh, clearly the other coaches saw it and were worried about it. And then they ended up getting that second goal before half. All right. Well, it's game time. We get to see, I don't know, orange jerseys 
Yeah, blue orange is their away kit, and then the blue and red are their homes, which I like. There's good soccer play here. I, I like the camera work. It, it didn't seem like off-putting. It seemed like legitimate guys playing soccer, so I, I enjoyed it. I don't know. I preferred the supercut of Zava doing every special kick from the last episode where he's scorpioning and scorpioning and bicycling and all of those special kicks. That's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm, Anyways, we get to halftime by it being 2-0, which is because they score two very quick goals at the Mm -hmm. uh, end of half, which... Drives the story by letting us know everyone is upset going into the locker room and leads to Rebecca being in the tunnel, giving Ted the best (laughs) I believe in you, have fun speech that anyone's ever given while gritting their teeth not believing it. (laughs) Or having fun. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, she's just like over the top with with her message whereas like the previous day it was more heartfelt this is hey get this thing done i need to beat rupert right and what's funny is this is when ted doesn't go in the locker room he tells like royer beard hey just you know do whatever you want to do for a couple yeah, minutes surprise me talk- yeah surprise mm-hmm. me and boy is he surprised because they <laughs> pop in the old I'm assuming a DVD. They have a DVD. They get the DVD player. They roll it, it out drive. on the... What? It was a zip drive. He had a zip drive. They get the Blu-ray. They put it in the <laughs> Blu-ray player on the cart. They roll it out. They put the slides on the projector, uh, and they play the reel of Nate ripping the Believe sign, and the whole team turns into killers. <laughs> and they all stare down Nate as they walk out of the tunnel, and the announcers make a note of it. <laughs> Yeah, it was good. And I think even Beard mentions, like, he tells Coach Lasso, like, hey, this could be a good thing for these players kind of a deal. And I think Ted is skeptical about it. Uh, You know, I I would argue, like, there's certainly time in sports that you need this kind of mentality, but not in this sport, not in football. Uh, Sorry, English football and American football. Yeah, this is probably good. And this is what players need to motivate them to rip other guys' heads off. But this is more of a finesse sport. Doesn't doesn't go well for Richmond. Listen. Anytime someone's won the Super Bowl, even if they were like the number one seed from the beginning, we'll just say not to put a timestamp on this, but the Kansas City Chiefs being favored like the whole season, uh, one of their guys is going to grab the mic after winning the Super Bowl and be like, nobody believed in us. And you're like, (laughs) no, 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 no. We all believed in you. That's why we all put money on you. And that's why we all have been rooting for you. We all thought you were going to do it. Nobody believed in us. You're like, and that's why we put you on our fantasy team as your tight end. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Thank you, T. Kelsey. Anyways, <laughs> Richmond absolutely loses their crap. They, <laughs> I like how Arlo. I think at one point is like they lost the plot. They lost the plot. They're playing like school in summer. <laughs> Be honest, I don't know what am I supposed to no say. No class. No, no class. class. There it is. <sighs> All right. Let me make this is why I'm guest hosting. Anyways, four to one. <laughs> Richmond loses three players during the game, Tom. Is this like a record? This feels like a lot of players to be red carded. I, I think there is a rule if you do go down a certain amount of players, you just forfeit the game. But I, I could be wrong. I don't I don't have anything to back that up. But yeah, two straight reds right off the bat. Bumper catch gets one. And then I think Zoro even gets one as their, their goalie. So they had to put somebody else back in. Or excuse me, excuse me, not Zoro. Van Dam got one. Van Dam got which one. Which made Zava very mad at the very end, which was pretty good too. Yep. And then we <laughs> learned Zava's kids' names, which are how Richmond played, angry, dirty, and ugly, which, once again, he's kids name themselves. The Zava interview at the end of the game is a wonderful. Uh, yeah, I don't know exactly what it is, but I'll, I'll try, where he, he discusses, listen, Z- Zoro should not have been removed from this game. He played with passion, and passion is about love. It's also about crime. It's also a fruit. <laughs> It's how we describe love, crime, and fruit. Wonderful. Thank you, Zava, for joining us on this podcast today. At the end of the game, poor Rebecca sees Rupert kissing non-Bex? Yes, she's uh, the assistant of all people. Oh, the assistant that's a little bit uh, cold towards Nate, Mm -hmm. we'll just say. Um, 
Roy and Beard are wallowing in the choices they've made while Ted stares at them and they're like, just yell at us. Like, call us <laughs> names. Tell us how bad we did. We played with hate. <laughs> yeah. And Ted, being Ted, is like, listen, you tried something new. Didn't work. There's a lot of football <laughs> left. We'll get him next time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything you want from Ted, he does. It's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everything that Nate wants, he gets. He gets the old <laughs> Bones and Honey VIP pass. Which this is good, right? Because this is the callback to the Beard episode. This is like this fancy club that it's very difficult to get into, and he gets the, the Bones and Honey VIP pass. It's it good. seems like there's only weird one weird exclusive club in Richmond, and it's <laughs> the Bones and Honey one. Um, although I guess they're in West Ham. I don't know. Yeah, but it's the same one from the Beard episode. Nate has this moment here where you see him looking at Ted and it looks like he's going to approach him to finish his apology. But instead, mm-hmm. he's going to go get some of those bones and honey, as the kids like to say. <laughs> and we have a wonderful moment here with Rebecca telling Rupert that she saw him with the assistant and that Bex deserves better. Yeah, I like this. Like, it's just calling it out as opposed to, like, she's seeing this and then just kind of rolls her eyes. Um, she confronts him and says, like, hey, be be a better person. And I think we know enough about Rupert at this point to know he won't be. But I loved, uh, I love Rebecca being being strong here and trying to look out for Bex to a point. Yeah, I agree. I think we get a quick little bit here, too, where it shows Sandy, um, like, changing that app banner or whatever to that crude i can't remember what the words were but again like this is just more shandy being a foil for for keely and i don't know at this point it seems like keely needs to kind of make some kind of decision with shandy here because she's going a bit a bit rogue it's time to turn down the summer shandy and maybe go with a darker beer an amber box <laughs> by michelob anyways Anastasia. Anastasia is brought to Nate at the Bones and Honey VIP Pass, and I'm pretty sure she's an evil Bond villain lady. Am I <laughs> right? I don't know. She's giving off. She's definitely giving up vibes. I think she had a pretty thick accent. I don't know what it was, but I I can see that. I do like the other callback here where we get where Nate drinks this like fancy martini. And immediately spits it back out like he did in, I think, one of the season one episodes. Yeah, it was the he, charity ball one. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was pretty good, too. But again, I, that's fun, right? They're giving us more fun Nate and not just having him be a heel all the time. Like right. They're giving us these little moments where, okay, we, we see some kind of fun-loving nature in him. We cut to the next morning. Roy shows up at Jamie's house. Door opens immediately, and Jamie's ready. Headlamp, <laughs> running shoes on. I love this blooming friendship. Oh, yeah. Just like we said, more of this, please. Like their relationship, their back and forth. They could do a spinoff show. Oh, oh, be still my beating heart. Yes, <laughs> they could do a spinoff show. Just the two of them, one in shirt, one in sweatpants. Just <laughs> and then every once in a while they swap them. So good. So good. <laughs> we see Ted alone in his flat. He's mm-hmm. not doing great. No, and I like this scene because he's struggling and we've seen Ted like struggle with with drinking and alcohol and and he grabs his drink and he hesitates and ultimately doesn't drink it, which I I think is good. And and the way Sadiqus like acts this, I think is is really good because Ted's like at the moment here, like he can choose to continue to drink and kind of be in his own sorrow or what he does choose to do here is confront Michelle and call her and say, you know, pour out kind of how he feels right he's not keeping that carbon dioxide in he's not letting that poison overtake him sure i think i had the impression here that also there was a moment where he was thinking of releasing the video of nate like into the world which i don't know why i got that i don't know if he's like holding the thumb drive or what it was but um instead he calls michelle michelle is the worst and (laughs) ted takes the moment to express his anger about like Dr. Jake, that he was the therapist, that he knows that they are now developed a relationship, like expresses, he ends this with the note of, listen, I love our family, no matter how that looks. Like, I love our boy. Like, I thought that was so great. And Michelle's response is, of course. That's what she says, of course. (laughs) And I just, I don't know. I was like, Michelle... Like, let's get Dr. Jake in here. He might, you know, how does that make you feel a little bit here? You know, Mm -hmm. 
I don't I didn't know. like it either. I, I don't like it. We got just nothing from Michelle. Like, Ted pours his heart out, which Ted needed to do in this situation. But and I don't know if it's a lack of time or they just don't want to touch it now at this point in the season. But they're clearly going to do more. Like, the camera stays then on Michelle on the other end of the line after they hang up. And it's kind of like a longing look. She kind of gives a wry smile. Like, I don't know what they're doing. And this is where, like... <laughs> Wait, let me stop you. This, I, I Okay, I, I, I thought I just saw it weird. I felt like they stayed on her to make her look sad, but then she does kind of smile. And I was like, mm-hmm. wait, I don't understand. Like, he's clearly hurting. Like, why is she smiling about that? It almost yeah. seemed cruel. Like, yeah. I, I, well, it's, it's, I feel like she's, she's seeing something in, like, I don't know, the old version of Ted or, or whatever their past relationship is. And maybe she's still thinking, can this still be something like, and this is what I don't know if I love about what's going on right now with all this relationship teasing, right? Like now you got Ted and Michelle, are they going to get back together? The whole Keely, Roy, Jamie bit, the Rebecca and Sam, we've got Nate and Judy. Now we've got Danny and Zava's boots. I mean, there's a lot of ah! back and forth. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> A lot of will they won't they's right now, and and I'm most excited about Danny and his relationship. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Poor Will, he's got to clean those things. Poor <laughs> poor Will. Yeah, I'm with you. I I did not understand. I didn't know this. If this was, you know, I I'm not an actor or an actress, so I I, I don't know if this was just poorly acted because it did look like a smile, and I thought what they were gonna do is just make her look sad in terms of, like, remorseful, which would have made sense to me. But instead, she, like, smiles, which makes her seem even more cruel, which mm-hmm. I don't think is what they're... I mean, she's not a Bond villain, so I, I don't know that that's what they're going for. So I had a well, little she, bit of but, confusion but Ted, there. Ted, in this conversation, he doesn't just say, like, hey, I love our family, I love... Like, he specifically says, I, I think, unless I misheard he says, this, I love but you. I think he does say, yeah, he says, I love you. And like we're going to be grandparents together in some form or fashion or something like that, right? Because of of, of Henry. So I'm assuming that's the line of of still she's still getting that love from Ted, and that's where her kind of smile is at the end. But I'm with you; it's it can be interpreted kind of goofy, and I don't I don't know if I want this relationship to kind of reblossom. I don't think it's as healthy clearly for Ted. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. We'll I am not Team Michelle, so <laughs> clearly. Yeah. I enjoyed this episode. I liked the path we took. I'm interested to see, do you think Zava stays with the team full season? Or do you think this is a couple of a couple of episodes with Zava and then the team has to figure out how to win without him? I think that's got to be it. I, I don't think he's going to just leave. My assumption would be like an injury or something, right? So he gives them enough wins to be towards the top of the table to give them that chance to win and allow the show to kind of pick a lane whether they want this to be about Richmond winning or more about Ted changing everybody, which I think is still the route they're going to go. Right. But I would, I would venture he gets injured or is definitely taken out of the picture before the season's end. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think I, I, I don't feel like this is a Zava vehicle and I feel like mm-hmm. you see it kind of in this one where Zava's like, this team is a mess. Like, is this yeah. where I want to be? And so maybe he takes himself out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not want to play here or something like that. <laughs> Anyways, it. For those of you that have joined us through this journey, we appreciate it. Um, our advice is be more like Ted. Be positive. Forgive people. It's difficult. But, man, I think it's good for all of us. And if you have questions, comments, or you would like to forgive us for something that we've done, you can reach <laughs> us at teambingepodcast at gmail.com. There are other social things that Tom holds the password for. Which makes you question, if he's a guest on this podcast, why does he have all the administrative information? (laughs) I don't know. Um, He'll tackle those things, but we do like hearing from you. The one thing I would mention is, if you have a moment, hop on iTunes, review, leave us a review. If it's a good one, if it's not, just leave us alone. Um, but we do appreciate those and, um, sadly I read them and I do enjoy them. So Tom, what did I miss? 
Yeah, follow us on Instagram and on Twitter at Team Binge or at Team Binge Podcast. Continue the conversation there. And if you are so inclined and want to support the pod and get some merch, you can go to tpublic.com. That's T-E-E public.com. All right. We are going to be back next week for the next episode of Lasso, Season 3, Episode 5, which, Tom, it is called? Panic Defense. Panic defense. Yeah, no more panic attacks. We're going to go on defense. Okay, okay. All right, yeah, like panic at the disco. (laughs) I get it. Uh, Your favorite band. I understand perfectly. I'm excited for it. I can only imagine that, not the song, I can only imagine that uh, Zava will be... Uh, the one having the panic attack. That would be weird. Can you imagine a Zava panic attack? Uh, I bet he'd be Oh, man, I can't wait for it. Just eating avocados. <laughs> Anyways, I've been Julian. And I've been Tom. We'll see you next time, everybody.